Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One of the greatest edges you can get in a best ball tournament is by having unique combinations of players, unique stacks, unique first and second round picks, and so much more. So here at Spike Week, we built the first ever best ball projected ownership. You can see player combinations and quarterback stacks and roster structures and the the projected ownership of all of those. Today, myself and Rob Coakley, we're going to go through some of the most notable things from the big board Superflex projected ownership that we just updated today and maybe a little sneak peek into BBM and start to talk about some ways we can get an advantage over our competitors with just some basic ownership and player combinations. Let's do it. So one of my favorite things to do is we plan out an idea to do for a show. Mm -hmm. I think most of our ideas are pretty good for shows. You know, everybody has hits and everybody has misses. But I think most of our ideas are pretty good. But like do the process on the show and like come at we're like we're today we're going to talk about the projected ownership and these combinations and and all that in big board Superflex. And I was like, oh, that's a fun that's a fun idea. I want to I really want to dig into that. But then I like don't do all the pre research before the show and mm-hmm. like allow myself to like figure it out. You know, you and I figure it out live together as opposed to like. I feel like it takes a little bit of the fun out of it. Like if you, if you, like, and that's, I'm not saying all shows should be that way, but people will like sketch out every single thing, right? It's almost like a scripted live stream. And like, I don't want to do that. I have no idea what these player combination uh, protected ownerships and everything look like today. We actually ran an update today. So this will be the first live look at kind of the big board super flex and maybe BBM uh ownership so i'm actually like uh you know i like talking to you kind of but like this one this this show is you know uh something i'm actually looking forward to maybe more than usual 
Yeah, this is the one that I came up with a couple days ago, and you were like, I have to do this show with you, so (laughs) can you hold off on it? And I was like, of course I can hold off on it, and we can do this together. There were two things that stood out to me that made me want to do this particular show. I guess three things. I think number one, from an overall perspective, player combinations, no matter how much we quote-unquote solve best ball, that solving that is going to be part of understanding player combinations and how often they're getting drafted. So being able to see data on it is going to be, I just think it's going to give you the biggest leg up. We're going to talk about quarterbacks all year. We're going to talk about receivers, first, second, third round guys. I think this metric is going to be the thing that wins you more money than not, right? Understanding that stuff. Uh, number two is just some of the player combinations I was thinking about when when one of our, our web developer, Hacker, uploaded some numbers like a couple days back. It showed Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins with this astronomical yep. player combo. And that's why they're on the cover photo of this. And it's like, if you drafted Justin Jefferson, you have Kirk Cousins. You just, you just double tap them in the Superflex draft. And it's like, well, doesn't that just make Justin Jefferson a better one-off? And the other one is... We talk about scrolling down a bit sometimes in drafts and people don't remember to do that. And when I was drafting the other day, I was in like, I think the 12 spot and Dak Prescott was there, but CD lamb is seven, eight, nine picks past that. And yeah, I'm passing up some big names to, to do a CD lamb Dak Prescott stack. I passed up, I think CMC on this to grab CD lamb. Do you love it? No. Are you going to do it consistently? No, but the thought process is how many people are doing the DAC CD Lamb stack specifically in the Superflex draft. So those were some of the reasons why I wanted to do this particular show. Yep. And I, I also want to those the the cousins Jefferson thing was definitely I mean, it's spoiler, it's our highest projected own combination of players, not just highest projected own quarterback stack with one of his pass catchers it's our highest projected own combination of any two players um in the first eight rounds it, it does become a little bit tricky we're going to continue to expand upon these ownership projections but it does become a little bit tricky trying to project uh player combinations of say a first round pick and a 20th round <laughs> 20th round yeah. pick or undrafted player and it, it almost is kind of like a cutting off your nose to spite your face. And so we, we've currently limited it to the first eight rounds um, because from then on, right, I would call that kind of the, the crux of the draft. All the good quarterbacks are pretty much gone. Good Air quotes, good. All the, the good quarterbacks are gone by there, especially in Superflex. Um, and so it allows us to kind of hone in on the core components of the draft. We're going to cover pretty much every relevant player combination, right? And so if you have if if Mac Jones and Tyquan Thornton are actually the highest projected on combo because they're both super cheap, then okay, that's that's fine. But uh, it was very, like you said, eye opening to see the Cousins Jefferson thing, especially because uh, you and I actually just talked about this last week in terms of the Superflex tournaments and how the heck do you get or, right? Do you try to get leverage on the field in this Superflex, particularly if you draft at the end of the first round, right? It's like, and that's the Jeff, Justin Jefferson range where, like, I don't want to take Dak, like you said. Most people don't want to take Dak over the number one skill player, Justin Jefferson. And so it feels cozy 
and everything about what we know about fantasy and what we know about best ball. Mike Leone from ETR just came out with it. It's a best ball mania and standard league uh, focused uh, uh, analysis, but just came out with an awesome thing about like, look, we want to get, we want to stack. We want to stack all our quarterbacks. You know, correlation is super important. It's an awesome uh, so far two part series, but like, that's that's absolutely true. Everything what Mike says and anybody else says about stacking is absolutely true. But if you're doing the same stack, right? Here it is entering a DFS content with the stone playing 150 teams of the stone chalk stack. Like, are you actually getting an edge on the field by draft? Like you just took Justin Jefferson and you just negated your supposed edge, right? The whole premise of taking Justin Jefferson was, well, I can't beat Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts with Dak. So let's take Justin Jefferson. And then, oh, this sounds good. I'll stack him with his quarterback, right? We know stacking's good. Now I got the best player with this quarterback. But, like, you end up doing the thing that is actually the highest, like, more than Josh Allen, more than Jalen Hurts. The one thing that is all your opponents are doing is Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, and you totally negate your edge that you just thought you were getting with Justin Jefferson. So it's, it's really fascinating to, to think about that. And we'll, we'll pull up the, we'll pull up the ownership here in a, here in a second, but the, the Jefferson cousins thing I thought was the most fascinating part of, of the whole thing. Cause we're trying to solve this super flex game. And it's like, it's really, it's really hard to solve the super flex game. And that one seems logical, but maybe it isn't. Yeah. And think about when you do advance the stack of Kirk cousins and Justin Jefferson. So now you get into your first pod. We've determined, I can't remember the exact number, 70% of teams with Cousins and Jefferson are getting drafted together. So how many of those are you facing in your first pod? So now you're going down to your third, fourth round picks to face those teams. But guess what? The teams that have other players have a massive edge over you and those opponents that have that stack. So that's the stuff that we need to be cognizant of. Not that you should never do something, right? You should, right. You should, it's not a, you should never do it, but for me, just we're looking at the numbers now and we're seeing right up top, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, the draft rate on them is 68%. And to me, it's like at that point, if I'm grabbing Justin Jefferson, he's a one-off for the Minnesota Vikings for me. I don't, I don't need Kirk Cousins. I don't need that stack in my life to, to keep it up. And I'm actually shocked by the Dak Prescott one, but we'll dive into it. Yeah, we'll definitely dive into some of these. And of course... These are the very. This is the very first time we have run any form of projected ownership for best ball. So, is everything completely perfect? Is anything ever completely perfect in in a projection? No, but I I really am confident in kind of the directional accuracy of of these. I've I've seen what uh, particularly what Hacker is doing behind the scenes, as you see here on the screen for some background. The these ownerships are based on all the historical data we have from underdog underdog right provides um all the results from a contest uh particularly bbm every single year so we have what our opponents are doing historically right we have the the percentage of the time that they're just stacking in general we have all this data and so we built a model based on all the historical data plus projecting forward and using this year's ADP and this year's player projections and all those things uh, put together a model that spits out all these different 
projected ownerships. Uh, every basically have all you know, like I said, the first eight rounds of any possible player combination, any possible quarterback stack. That's what you see at the top four different tabs here. This is just player combinations. And so as we've rerun this, particularly for the big board superflex, you see it's dominated by quarterback wide receiver stacks because that's you know the quarterbacks are so are so prevalent. It's also dominated by interestingly kind of like early quarterbacks but they they're what i would call mid-round quarterbacks in traditional uh you know in best ball mania they will be mid-round quarterbacks with their star because you can't get right you can't get uh josh allen and stefan diggs you can't get you might be able to get jalen hurts and devonta smith but like that you know it's very difficult to to get some of some of those stacks so anyway we built a model to project ownership we have that you know requisite knowledge in case you didn't know Roto Grinders, the Daily Fantasy site, is our our sister company. That's where we come from. So we have, you know, a decade long of projecting ownership for DFS. So we have a pretty solid foundation to project out this ownership. And I, I just, it was it was so cool to start to see. And I'm really excited for when BBM drops because I think it's going to totally change the game on how we start to think about those you know, both stacks as well. We're going to discuss a lot of stacks because it's the most prevalent in this data for the Superflex. But I think for BBM, it's really going to change the game on how we write the Cousins Jefferson thing is like, if you don't, if you totally throw this data out and you say, we know stacking is good and we think that Justin Jefferson is a good pick at the end of the first round, you would think that Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson is like the best thing you can do in the Superflex. But with this data, it actually might be the worst thing, the worst thing you can do, which is like, I mean, it totally changes the game. It totally changes how we approach best ball drafts, uh, you know, for this and for BBM. Yeah, it's just it's overly jarring. And to your point, you can't get some of these superstar quarterbacks with their wide receivers. I was fortunate enough to get a, a Justin Hurts and AJ Brown I and mean, a Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown team the other day. And we're looking at this board, and we see that Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith is 24%, and that's like a top 15 stack. So that's showing you that that Hurts-Brown stack is sub-24% right now, and that feels great. And I think this graph shows you that stacking in general is still fine, but there are going to be a few stacks that just don't make any sense to get in Superflex or BBM if they're creeping up on that 70 to 75% um, range, right? So we only see three in here, and we'll start talking about them, but there's only three stacks in the Superflex that are over 50% right now. Which is really interesting, right? I, I do, That's another, that's an awesome point. As you start to scroll down here, you see how top-heavy it is, mm-hmm. right? And this is actually what you'll find, again, using kind of the rotor grinders and DFS um, corollary. You'll find that in DFS too, right? You'll generally have a small subset, three, four, five, sometimes one or two players on a slate, right? You show up to a Sunday DFS slate and it's like Dalvin Cook is out. Alexander Madison is 6K. Literally everyone is playing him. But after that, no one is such a good value that like is they're over 25%. Right. Madison is 70 percent and everybody else is like 20 and below. And then it's it's deciphering between is this guy 7 percent or is this guy 17 percent? Right. And that's that's how it is in this, too. And that's why this is the most fascinating and why the Jefferson Cousins thing 
is so fascinating is because once you get down, right, we, we scroll down here a little bit. It's like, do I necessarily want to want to dive into 24% own Lawrence at Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk? No, but like, am I, am I that, is that probably like a efficient ownership? Yeah. I, I think, you know, you should have, let's call it quarter of the field, right? Cause it's, it's, there's a bunch of Jags. Christian Kirk's one of the four, you know, basically one of the four players you can stack with Trevor Lawrence. That seems fine. Right. So it's not something you should maybe try to be underweight on. If you're searching for, you know, just efficient ownership, that's fine. It looks good. Right. You don't avoid that one. But 68, per, right. The, the amount of people double tapping the Vikings at the top, which in and of itself, I mean, I love Justin Jefferson, but think about the Vikings and like the 70% of the field is diving into putting all their money into the into Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. That's a whole, you know, different thing. But the weight at which Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Chris Olave are being stacked with their quarterbacks because it's more feasible to do it in this tournament is the reason why we should avoid it. And yet our brains, without thinking about it through this projected ownership lens, would say, like, you could probably come out of drafts with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Chris Olave, and Derek Carr all on a super flex team. And you're like, damn, got it. <laughs> Nailed it. You know what I mean? And like, actually, you just built like the cash, like a, like a 50-50 lineup. You know, you, you entered that team into yeah. a head-to-head in your DFS contest. And so um, it is really, really built interesting. What do you double up. Yeah, you built, you built <laughs> yeah, you, you clicked optimize in your optimizer, right? And you yeah. built the cash team. What do you think about those kind of specifically those top three stacks, but also maybe Dak CD too? kind of those really, really, really chalky um, stacks. And were you a kind of surprised to see those not surprised, whatever. And then like, how do you think we should handle them? Cause I, there's a reason why they're the chalkiest, right? It goes to the DFS thing. There's a reason why Alexander Madison is 75% owned when Dalvin cook is out. But like, we also know, you know, what, if, if 20, if, all I got to, if I need one thing to fail, like Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson to fail. And so many of my opponents are kind of knocked out. Like, how are you thinking about handling that in your drafts? Well, it comes down to what we talked about a bit last year and just seeing the data helps a lot, but just getting too comfortable with ADP. And that's, that is the equivalent of these top three stacks, specifically the first two, Justin Jefferson, you tap them at the end of the first round and you get Kirk Cousins right there. He's sitting right at the top of ADP. And the second round, and it just makes so much sense. So you just pull the trigger on it, right? It's like a, it's like a, you don't have to think. It's there's Jefferson, there's Cousins, boom, boom, done. Give me to the third round. Same thing happens at the second, third round turn with Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown. It's like, well, I still need a quarterback. Well, there it is. There's Jared Goff. Oh, his best wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. It's right next to him. I can double tap <laughs> those two. And it's just easy to do it. I'm a little shocked on the Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb one. Um, it's not overly surprising, but I thought it would be a little bit lower than that. And then some of these other names that really just kind of jump out at me that I was a little shocked by is the Kyler DeAndre Hopkins, just because I didn't think drafters would be looking yeah. to stack them. And I wonder how much of that is intentional and some are just like drafting them to draft them. And the other one that really stands out to me as way under-owned, I thought Burrow T. Higgins would be a top four, top five on this list because you're not getting Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow in this draft, right? 
So the only way to do it is grabbing Joe Burrow in the first round and then getting T Higgins in the second. And every time I've grabbed yep. Burrow, I've grabbed Higgins because I know that's the only way to stack up Burrow the way that I would like to. And to see them at 19% is really, really jarring to me. And that makes me just, so what that does for me with the data is we know who the top three quarterbacks are, right? And we're kind of playing this game of, is it Joe Burrow? Is it Lamar Jackson at the four pick? <laughs> yep. Right. So for me, it's the four pick is definitely Joe Burrow. I'm going to hope at the five pick, I'm getting Joe Burrow and I'm just going to do a Burrow T Higgins stack literally every time now. If we're projecting 19% ownership as a combination for those two players, then I am always going to draft. Not that I already wasn't, but I am cognizant <laughs> of the fact that that is a stack that I want because it's way underweight to what I thought it would be personally. That's that's a good point. And that's also, you mentioned, like we all are, kind of slaves to ADP mm-hmm. and searching for ADP value. And the T. Higgins, Joe Burrow one fits in that fits in that weird spot which is so funny about best ball because he's just a few picks like in the middle of what li- what lines up with Joe Burrow and he's not quite as good as the elite right he's he's technically a, a wide receiver too on his own team he's not quite as good as the elite guys so like do i want to take him where whatever Tyreek Hill goes like not really but then I also know stack, you know, but then he doesn't fall far enough because he's he's good enough. He doesn't fall far enough to get to the next pick for Joe Burrow. And yet we know that stacking is important. It's like I can't I can't reach for T. You know what I mean? He's he's this he's a really weird use case. He has a very cat. We saw this in Best Wall Mania last year. Everybody loves T. Higgins. Everybody loves the Bengals. Like find someone who's like, nah, T. Higgins isn't that good. Or like, nah, the Bengals offense isn't one I really want to stack. Like, everybody loves that. It's just because Jamar Chase is there, there's a ceiling on how high he can go. He's never going to go above even, like, I'm not saying he's A.J. Brown, but like A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, what's they have the same relationship that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins have on a on an offense that runs more. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, it, but people just have this weird relationship with T. Higgins. So there's only kind of so hot. Maybe that will change, and that might change for Best Ball Mania. Again, I have the first run of our Best Ball Mania projected ownership uh, here, which we'll see if, if it's uh, ready to, to share. But anyway, he has the, T. Higgins is such a funny example because it's just not possible for him to get high enough in ADP, you know, to, 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 for people to reach. Right. Whereas CD, as you said, I thought CD was the most interesting one too. Um, because it's like CD lamp, right. CD lamb versus T Higgins, like projection wise for this season, it's really not that different, but the fact that CD is the lead on that team. And it's like, I know stacking is important. I'll reach for CD, but I won't reach for T Higgins to stack with Burrow. The psychology of it all is like super fascinating. Yeah. It was way more uncomfortable for me to reach for CD over a guy like CMC than it is for me to reach for T Higgins over, let's say B. John Robinson or Saquon Barkley. Yep. It's a little like, so that's why it's so jarring to me. And I guess maybe my mental state is a little different on some of these players, but I hated reaching for for CD on that team to make that stack happen. Like it, I loathed it, and now I actually more upset about it because I see the <laughs> that everyone else is doing it. But yeah, so it, it's just I guess it becomes like 
what you're conditioned to doing. And we talk about this. This is why I like the early tournaments. You know, we joke, me and you joke about like, this is a 24 seven thing. We never get a break from best ball. <laughs> but what I like doing with the early ones is I get kind of being that slave to ADP out of my system. And it opens up my comfort zone by the time best ball mania rolls around yeah. that. I don't care about like, well, I'm getting a value on this player. Well, if I don't like that player, I don't care about the value. Right. <laughs> right. So right. it'll, it allows me to, to scroll a little bit because I've done a hundred drafts or I've done 150 drafts. And now I'm just open to making the teams I want to make. And the teams I want to make are going to be based off of some of this combination stuff between stacking combinations between what we see for first second third round combos that was a big thing for me the yep. second half of last year was seeing how often i drafted this player with this player it really made a difference and i think it honestly it helps my advance rate i had an above average advance rate and i think being able to do that not only does it help my advance rate i think it helps me propel some of these teams to the next round of the playoffs over people that are drafting, let's say, Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins on every single team. And that's the thing, right? You mentioned that it you probably helped your advance rate, but it also where it really comes into play is once you once you get in the dance. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 that's that's really where this this shit becomes super powerful. And no one is saying kind of like I mentioned, if you drafted that team that I talked about earlier, you're like, I got Justin Jefferson in the first and Kirk Cousins in the second, and Chris Olave in the third, and Derek Carr in the fourth. You're like, boom, nailed it, right? Like, And especially like a zero RB, bro, you're like, like Yahtzee, got two stacks of two awesome young, you know, one second, right? It just seems like the dream. But then you show up to the dance, right? You show up to those playoff rounds, and if that team was good, which clearly it had to be at least a certain level of good all four of those guys had to be couldn't be total failures otherwise you would not advance to the playoffs there's gonna be so many more of those teams in your week 15 week 16 and god forbid you make it to week 17 imagine if kirk cousins and justin jefferson is the stone nut pairing you know for the regular season week 15 week 16 what is the ownership going to be on that stack in the big board superflex in week 17 now you got to get to the dance, right? You got to you got to get there to win it. So I understand that that line of thinking, but like, if if most you know the majority of leagues, more than half league half of the leagues have a Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins team, and it hits, like, even then, what did you win? You hmm. won. You won being the same as everybody else in that week seventeen and having zero leverage. It's not the same as in best ball mania, which again we're going to be discussing this ownership stuff for the rest of the summer. It'll be constantly changing as ADP changes. We're taking snapshots of all of our projected ownership so we can kind of compare back to here's what we projected right when best ball mania opened. Here's what we projected when best ball mania closed, and to be able to see those different things. But in this, like. It's your first two rounds. Kirk Cousins is going to be a 10th round pick or whatever in best ball mania. I'm not saying I, I want Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins in best ball mania because I just don't really want Kirk Cousins. But at least then you can say, okay, it's chalky, but Kirk was cheap, right? Yeah. Rel- relatively. Kirk was cheap. And Justin Jefferson's the best player in all of fantasy. I can honestly get that argument, eating the chalk stack when, the, when that cost is different. 
Because it's going to be chalky, people. Yeah, Jefferson Cousins. It was one of the chalkiest. Be the chalkiest. And last tournament. last year, it was one of the chalkiest. People don't people don't like think about that either. We didn't have this specific data, but it was also a very chalky stack last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking speaking as someone whose best team in BBM was a Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and shout out KJ Osborne stack, and shout out. Uh, I, I don't know. Shout, I don't know if this is a shout out. I had a Cousins double stack and a Tua double stack that was amazing. It's like Samaje P Ryan. Donta Foreman, like fucking every goddamn awesome, awesome pick on the board. And Tua, the Tua Cousins stacks, uh, I believe it was weeks 16 and 17. Yikes. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> not, not good. Um, but at least in BBM, it's like, okay, this is probably an over-owned stack relative to how, how chalky it should be. But you can say, all right, that's fine. I'm, I'm, it's a 10th round pick. I got plenty of other ways to differentiate this team, right? As my good friend, Jordan Cooper, Blender HD uh, from the DFS space was lineups, not players, right? The, the ownership of Jefferson cousins, isn't the only thing about your team. You can find ways to make a good Jefferson cousins team, even at this ownership. But I think the difference in Superflex is this is your first round pick and your second and your second round pick in best ball mania. It's very different. I just can't really get behind really all these top stacks. Maybe when we get into Gino and I guess maybe Trey Lance, which is a whole nother can of worms, but maybe when we get to the Gino range, I'm like, okay, it's pretty chalky, but Gino's cheap enough and DK is not so expensive that it's fine. But like, these are top three to four round picks, all the top four stacks, right? Jefferson cousins, um, St. Amon Ra, Goff, Olave, Carr, and CD and Dak are all your first two picks or two of your top three or four picks. And right. that's just where I really struggle to, to kind of eat the chalk in that scenario. Yeah, because it's just, it's, you're saying that you're at a 50% or more comparable rate. And yes, you are one of 12 in your week one to 14 pod. You are unique. You are the only one with this card, with this signature on this card. But guess what? Then you go to the convention. And literally, you're trying to sell something that everybody else has. So you need yeah. to be a little more rare at this point. And I know it's sort of a joke, but Beachhead in the chat said, but what if Jefferson's Cousins is a stack you need? Um, yeah. So everybody has it. So week 17 rolls around. In the finals, There's a let's say there's a 35% rate at which Jefferson and Cousins, that stack is in there. How great do you feel going to Wheat 17 with literally any other stack? Like I get to combat Cousins Jefferson at 35% ownership. And yeah, they can still beat you. We're not saying that they can't beat you. It is it is part of the game. But if I can have that flip of my first two round picks and have Jalen Hurts and let's say even the Hurts, um, Devonta Smith, say that, pres- that week, 17 matchup is 10% versus 35%. I have a gigantic edge over you. A, I have a better quarterback. I have a wide receiver that's clearly not as good as Justin Jefferson because who is other than like Jamar Chase. But now I'm at a 10% clip versus your 35% clip. And this sounds like Scott Steiner math, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm better. I have a better chance of winning than you do at this point because I'm more unique than you in this spot. And I have maybe three other people with this stack where you're facing 
30 other people with the stack or something like that. So yeah, exactly. give me, give me the lower own stacks for sure. And it's going to be, I mean, I know this is a, a, it's slightly unique for um, Superflex based on where quarterbacks go, but it's, it's going to be relative in, on some of the stacks in best ball mania as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Same because it's a value thing, mm. right? The reason why these guys show up is because they're quote unquote, it's a way it's a obviously superflex is different and you, there will be change, right? Mahomes is probably going to be some, you know, m- maybe Mahomes Kelsey is higher on this list. Um, hurts. Some of the hurts stacks will probably be higher on this list than BBM, whatever, because you can just get it as opposed to being, physically incapable of getting those stacks in in superflex but it's also about a, the the value right which again i i hate because dfs is not always the perfect um you know it's definitely not always apples to apples as a comp but it, it is also true in that the best dfs plays and the the chalkiest DFS plays are the ones that are the best point per dollar values, right? Mm-hmm. If a guy is 4,000 and he projects for 3.6 times his salary, and that's the best projection at wide receiver, he doesn't really project for that many points, right? 12 points, whatever. Like who, like he doesn't like Justin Jefferson every week projects for like 20 something points. You know, he, this guy doesn't project for that many. He's not, he's fine. It's fine. It's just a value thing. And that's what happens with these, top stacks these top these super chalky stacks is that no matter no, every time i take justin jefferson if i want kirk cousins i can have him every time i take amon ross and brown if i want jared goff i can have him because the quarterback aspect of this they're very very cheap right it, uh, it's the opposite for dak and cd which is kind of funny um every time i take dak prescott if i want cd i can have him whereas because those quarterbacks are quote unquote you know values and so I, 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 or CD is a quote unquote value based on the stack. And there is, there is an argument for like, uh, uh, this is something in the very far future. I want to build into our, our overlays that like, right. It boosts players up and down your rankings based on who you've drafted, you know? So you, if you, da- if you draft Jack, Jesus Christ, if you draft Dak, CD should move up your rankings. He should get a boost. That's how it works. In DFS too, it's like the core because we know as again Leone's awesome article points out, and and we've known from years of playing DFS, correlation and stacking is good. It's a good thing. So CD should move up your ranks when you draft Dak. But there there's a there's an ownership angle just like in DFS where CD moves up, so that's good. He should move up on your Dak teams, but then. If, if his ownership also moves up and maybe his ownership moves up more than his boost is from, from the, the correlation, well, then actually now it becomes a bad thing. And that's what Cousins is. That, that, I, I'm not saying you yeah. shouldn't draft Dak CD at this ownership. I think it's a little high, but I'm just totally guessing. I can guarantee Kirk Cousins, when you, when you double tap Vikings, when you take Justin Jefferson and then you double tap with Kirk Cousins at this ownership – this is this is not a plus EV bet. There's no chance, in my opinion. Um, again, I'm also guessing on this one, but I think it's a lot more definitive. And so it's one of those things where you're always balancing the correlation benefits, but the ownership is also in a very, very important lever. It's just that nobody thinks about it because we don't we haven't gotten to that point yet. And so that's what we're trying to solve with these with these projections. Yeah, it's because you can't see it. 
So we're allowing exactly you to see in it. DFS. If you subscribe again, you subscribe to Rotor Grinders. Walt, when you're building your teams, every time you look at a player, you're like, oh, I see his ownership. It's like it's it, it hits you in the face. You know what I mean? So it's a part of your lineup building process. In best ball, it's not. It, you, it's out of sight, out of mind. And then after you drafted your teams, like, oh, that looks awesome. But you didn't know that you just drafted the stone chalk. Yeah, and as we know, in best ball, all the players on this list are going to be 100% owned. So they are going to be on a team. It's it's going a little advanced now. Again, relate everything to poker. There are level one poker players, like level one thinkers, where they just go in there, they look at their hand, they're betting their hand, they don't care about what you have. It's like, I have two pair. I don't care that the, the board's double paired, straightened, and there's three flush cards on there. <laughs> I have two pairs, so I must be good. Not realizing that everything beats them. It's a level one thinker. We're trying to become level two, level three, level four thinkers within the best ball space. And to the other point of um, the pound who said, I love this data. If it gets people to fade the chalky stacks I want, you have to remember who people are. We want people to come in and see our data. But to be perfectly honest, of the people drafting best ball teams, maybe 2025 are going to be what we consider quote unquote sickos. The other yeah. 75% are doing this leisurely because they're just doing it for, you know, a 45 minutes to pass. They might draft 10 best ball teams. They might draft, you know, 20 best ball mania teams at, at the height of what they're doing where we're doing this so often we're not going to be moving ownership. We're giving you a chance to understand how to be, play mostly not again not better against the sickos but how do you play better against the quote-unquote in poker they call them fish right and guess what fish are going to win sometimes because they have to that's how you keep the ecosystem clean exactly and, right but this is how we get our edge over over the people that are coming in and just playing casually just playing for fun so having information like this it tells you that you shouldn't be drafting these stacks even if you want them hell i want kirk cousins with with justin jefferson right it's not, knock. It? it's not a knock no yeah. justin jefferson is like if i could honestly in Superflex have justin jefferson on every team like it right we do the stupid thought experiments if you could only draft one player on every single team right i, I would pick justin i would pick justin jefferson like he's amazing uh you know and and i love to give kirk cousins grief but like in Superflex, he's fine he's totally yeah. fine like you can win with him but it's like that doesn't like that part doesn't matter. I'm trying to win the tournament. Yes. Like I'm trying to win this tournament. And so I'm going to use everything to everything that I have at my disposal to try to win this tournament. And like you said, uh, I was just going to piggyback on your uh, kind of sickos, sickos thing. You have to like, A, I know that the pound is not being completely yes. serious, but just right. for anybody, you know, that is listening and you say, cause this does leveling. We have reached the point in DFS where this, like basically what he's talking about is leveling. Everybody knows X player is going to be chalky, right? And so some, so, you know, or everybody knows X player is going to be a certain level of ownership. Everybody also can probably figure out who are, who's a good fade, who's a bad fade, who's a whatever. And so I know that Rob's like, I'm fading that chalk, whatever. And then, you know, I know that a bunch of my opponents are fading the chalk. So that guy actually then, right, the Cousins Jefferson stack is, 40 percent instead of 70 percent and you're like shit i should have i should have just done it you know because it wasn't as high but we are so far away from that that in best yeah. ball it's like not even close we we just got like again i keep referencing because it's 
uh, fresh on my mind. And it's such a really good uh, article series from Mike Leone from, from ETR. But like, we just got to the point where one of the smartest people in this whole space, in my opinion, what Leone is, is having to go through the data to confirm stacking is good. ADP yeah. value is good. And week 17 correlation is good. He like people didn't believe that this time last year. Remember the week 17 stuff? People were like, stop. You're, you're being ridiculous. Is this a bit like Dude, people wow. thought it was a bit. And, and, and now it's like, Oh shit. Pack range just won $2 million. His whole team, his whole fucking team was week 17 correlations. You know, his whole team. That's why he won was because of the week 17 correlations. Liam, same shit, right? All, every, for, for multiple years in a row, people are finally, and now it's like, that's accepted. But like, we are so, like this data is, we're so far away from uh, giving away our edge, right? I'm very proud of like the website traffic and everything that we have on, on Spike Week. I'm very proud of the community we built and, and everybody watching this, thank you. Hit the like button, all that, all that fun stuff. But like, we're so far away from, definitely us just as a community changing things but even if everybody was like damn this is right this is right like we are now like people believe that now about stacking and stuff like that people will still fight against it like people yeah. the people will still fight against it we're, we're just so far away from having to worry about that leveling aspect I'm really shocked that you asked me if I remember if week 17 was a bit last year there once was a team we didn't agree I mean I mean, I think, I think I'm the king of the week 17 bit, <laughs> right? So if everyone's the king, uh, um, God, that's funny. The one thing I wanted to ask you about this list is who stands out to you as a, a stack that you thought was going to be more owned or less owned? Because some of these stacks, I've gone through a few of them. Uh, really just stood out to me like, wow, I can't believe that they're not more heavily owned in this particular tournament. Uh, so that, that's what I was going to do. We get, So these are just, again, these are, there's four different tabs on our projected ownership. Ownership combinations, meaning combination of two players, quarterback stacks, which is what I want to get to next. And then draft rate, meaning obviously every player that's drafted in 100% of drafts we throw out, right? So Justin Jefferson, not going to show up on, on that page, but if you're sub 100%, um, meaning you're not drafted in literally every draft of the big board Superflex, you'll you'll show up there. And then uh, the roster numbers, meaning, right, what are you – I'm going to click there really quick just because I don't think we'll hit, hit it later. But uh, – oh, and this needs to – we probably got to fix this. Anyway, so never mind. But we'll get this we'll get this one fixed. But you see, like, right, five quarterbacks, five running backs, six wide receivers, four tight ends. Um we have that, you know, so you can kind of see when you say, I think you should draft three, whatever, you know, three quarterbacks, three tight ends and pick your number of running backs and wide receivers. You also might be drafting the shock uh, structure, too. So anyway, we'll get to the quarterback stacks because I think that's kind of your your question. But I did I did want to hit some of these like under owned uh, just like player combinations. Some might be stacks, some some might not be some interesting ones that that jumped out to me. Um, the Vikings again show up as what I would call overowned. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout, sh- sh- shout out to all of us sickos ruining uh, every single Justin Jefferson team we draft <laughs> in this. In this, uh, it's like congratulations, you got the best skill player in fantasy. You just fucked up his team every single time. Uh, why, I don't know why Dalvin Cook. Like, I understand 
people like to team stack, but I, I think you're ruining your Justin Jefferson team, particularly at 16% ownership, especially if you ha- also <laughs> you also have Kirk Cousins. But even if you don't, 16% Jefferson with Dalvin Cook, it's like they both – I'm not saying they both can't get there in the same week. And, of course, they can both have good seasons. They usually both have good seasons. And Dalvin's cheap now. But, like, our, if, if again, if these two guys are both – relatively high owned when you get to, to week 17 how do they both win you anything in in week 17 i, I just the, the the way that they get there is opposite right dalvin needs a a run heavy game script the vikings playing from from in front and jefferson needs probably the opposite you know um and and especially jefferson being so expensive again it's like in dfs dalvin isn't you know dalvin isn't you know, an 8K running back on DraftKings or whatever, but Dalvin's like a six, let's call it 6K running back on DraftKings. And then Jefferson is a $9,500 wide receiver. It's like you wouldn't ever play them on the same team. You almost never play them on the same team. So I just feel like the, we're, and I think this one is a little bit better. Like the Vikings, my God, Jesus Christ, dude, the, this tournament is just Vikings chalk fest everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hawkinson and Jefferson is 17%. I think that's, fine but then like you put, well you put, you well, put cousins on there the cousin the, the highest owned double stack fair. has got to be cousins jefferson hawkinson right and then it's like now you have the highest owned like fucking everything i i don't know that one seems a little crazy to me i was gonna say Diggs allen at 16 like Diggs allen at 16 percent or cousins jefferson at 70 percent you tell me yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> You tell me what you would prefer. I know you can't always get it or whatever, but like if I could pick one, it's definitely um, Alan Diggs. And then there was a couple interesting kind of just non-team specific stacks. I thought this was interesting. So we saw the really high ownership on um, Car Olave, but if mm-hmm. like that's like people are just doing it for stacking purposes. If you throw car in the trash and just say, I do, I ever really care about Derek Carr score. Probably not, but I can get Josh Allen with someone like Chris. I think Josh Allen or the elite quarterbacks with these wide receivers that are chalk are really right. Allen Olave Mahomes, Amon Ross St. Brown, like those guys as a way to get an elite quarterback with, the wide receiver from a really chalky pairing. And then like you can get a, a, a low owned Allen stack or Mahomes stack or hurt stack or, you know, though I thought that that was, that was kind of interesting just because my brain just keeps going back to like, Jesus Christ, Jefferson, Amonra, Olave, CD, like that ownership is crazy. So how do I kind of leverage against that? And I think it would be with the other elite quarterbacks and then that wide receiver. Yeah, I think some of the stuff down in this range that we're looking at with like um, Saquon and Patrick Mahomes also shows you that slave to ADP mentality. Now, 11% Mahomes, Saquon Barkley is fine. But when they're, te- they're when they're not on the same team, 11% is kind of high for players that have zero correlation at this point. Mm-hmm. The odds the odds of them playing together on um, playing against each other week 17 is real limited. I don't even know if the AFC West is playing the NFC East this year off the top of my head. So there's a, there's could be a 0% chance that these two teams even pl- have a shot at playing each other week 17. And we're looking at like an 11%. So it just shows you that like when you are being that 
when you are being so dependent on ADP and not scrolling a little bit, you are still falling into getting combinations of players that other people have. So you see it with Saquon Barkley. You also saw it with Kenneth Walker, who is probably on that third round revert or that third round come around with Mahomes after you draft your top two picks. So it's just stuff like that that you need to be cognizant of. So how many people do you think have Mahomes, Barkley, um, Kenneth Walker? Say that's like a 7% owned triple right there. Mm-hmm. I don't really want that. Like I know 7% is low and you can still win with that. It's not, trust me, not the end of the world having those three guys. But if I, if that's like a, you know, a 1v1 situation with that third pick of a, of a you know a three-man squad that I can get in the first three rounds and get something at two or three percent ownership. It's a micro, micro, micro edge, but it's something that I'm going to be cognizant of going into the future on stuff. But like that's that. that's a big edge when you compound it over all your teams that you draft. When you come down right. to that decision, right? It's a decision tree when you when you come on the clock, right? You all these things that we're talking about, stacking, right? Uh, correlation, blah blah blah. It's all important, ADP value, all, all things you should factor in. But ownership should also be something that, that you factor into your decision-making process. And it's like when you, when you get on the clock, like you said, and you're like, I don't have a stacking partner. I don't have correlation. I don't have – maybe I don't even have ADP value. Who do I pick? Mm-hmm. Well, the next, the next thing on your – well, your ranking, of course, right? Your ranking slash projection and ownership, which your ranking probably – would incorporate the ownership element if if you could account for it in real time just like in dfs like i can account for ownership in dfs in real time in real time when i make my lineups the best player on this lineup might be a different player they could be the same price right both four thousand dollar wide receivers the best player on this lineup is different than the best player on another lineup and that's the same thing with this with this draft that's because it's because of it's because of ownership this dog is losing his shit next to me. I don't know. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's absolutely hilarious. So, you, can't, so. You, you 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 make the decisions based on all these different things, right? And you got thirty seconds, so it's very hard. But you should absolutely, like like you said, seven percent doesn't seem crazy, but seven percent. What about seven percent versus 05 <laughs> percent? Which one would you rather have? Like the chances of you showing up with if it's 05 percent in the whole tournament. You showing up to week 17, if that happens to be the nuts, like, is it likely that's the nuts? No, of course not. It's not likely any, like, we're, we're drafting fantasy football teams in fucking April. Like, yeah. nothing is not like, not, like, why are you, like, why are you worried about improbable outcomes? Like, don't do this then. Like, don't draft, don't draft the team. Of course, it's improbable, but it's all fucking improbable. And so, would you rather have, like you said, something that happens one out of 10 times or something that happens, one out of whatever whatever 0.5% is right like uh, it very like that it's really easy it's it's a really easy decision because especially and why we did this through the first eight rounds the, all those players are kind of the same right you do you do get later in the draft where the the ownership should be different right the, dra- the we'll get to the draft rate tab it should be different for certain players because uh, I'm not saying I'm the wizard of projections and and late round player value and all of that, but there are undoubtedly players that project better or have more upside or whatever that go later. But in the first eight rounds, it's like 
honestly, what is the fucking difference between every second round pick? We can, we all have our preferences, but yeah. they're all, they're all really the same. And so the ownership is like my, it, I could argue it's the most important thing. And yet it's the one thing. No one actually gives a shit. <laughs> like literally no one thinks about it when they draft the team. Yeah. And I think that this could help just between this and the overlay. Like when you go and you just study this, it's like, again, it's like poker. It's studying a, a push fold chart at the end. Right. Do I want to put all my chips in on 10, eight suited from this position or do I want to wait and do it with ace king? When does it matter? How many blinds do I have? Guess what? You have 150 blinds in this tournament because you only have 150 entries. So you need to make them all count. 150 sounds like a lot. It ain't a lot relative to how many teams are going to be out there. So build the best teams you can build when you're building teams. Use the data that you can find. The proper data, Leone's article. That's one thing. Read it, understand it. Like we uh, we know what it is. That will help you understand it. Look at these combination rates. Are they going to be a hundred percent accurate? No. But when to your point, when you go to play DFS and you see these player ownership numbers, they're pretty damn close across the board. Wherever you're grabbing your numbers, you. I mean, I grab mine at Roto Grinders, obviously, but it it hits pretty damn close on those yep. and. And then just use your brain. When you see Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins are always going on that round one, two turn. You know that that 70% marker is pretty damn accurate. It might even be higher. When they're wrong, they might be wrong the other way too, people. Like it might not <laughs> just be wrong. At, like you're going to be like, well, it said 68%, but it was actually 80%. It's like, yeah, there's a margin for error and it can go above. This isn't the price is right. This is, <laughs> we are giving you a projected number and it's going to be somewhere in that wheelhouse. So it could be higher. Yep. I totally agree. And that, that's also a great point in terms of context about, about the data is, I mean, no one can appropriately it, also it's April again, like yeah. for fantasy football, no one can completely accurately project these things. But again, I, I also think like you said, I was a little surprised by Dak, by Dak CD. But like, there's always a surprise in any form of this kind of data. I was not, when I saw the Cousins Jefferson number, I was like, <laughs> I was like, Jesus, that's a lot. But like, that makes so much sense. You know what I mean? It's it's like so the Madison. It's like the Mad again the Madison example in DFS. Like, well, Dalvin got hurt. It's it's like again in DFS. You're like, Dalvin gets hurt in the second quarter on Sunday. You're like. Can't wait to see what DraftKings prices uh, Madison at, you know, later tonight yeah. or whatever for for the for the next slate because you just know you just know he's going to be popular. It was like when I saw Jefferson Cousins, I was like, "Yep, God damn that." I, do I know if sixty eight percent is the right number or fifty seven percent or seventy five percent? No one does, but directionally, I think it's it couldn't possibly be more accurate. And I also feel that way about all these. I mean. Goff, Amon Ra, and it's also really funny. I thought Goff, Amon Ra, and Carl Olave were super interesting because it's quarterbacks, like no one is actually really excited for these quarterbacks. It's just the format has forced people to address these kinds of stacks, right? Yeah. Because you can't get the stacks you actually want, right? When you set out to draft, you would rather have Allen, Hurts, Mahomes, Burrow stacks, but you can't get them, so you're like, well, I guess I'll reach on Jared Goff. So 
so I can get that stack because the stack feels good and I know quarterbacks are good in this format. And so, again, that's, that's addressing the stacking element, which is important, but it it's like maybe like really super over-owned. So let's look at the just narrowing down QB stacks and just kind of kind of scroll through. What you'll see on the QB stacks tab is every player drafted with that quarterback. So um, the percentage... The per- this fucking dog, one second. Yeah, so we're seeing that it goes by quarterback like we see Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett on screen right now and all of their stacking partners with them and what that ownership percentage is. And so this is obviously not... It, not in 45% of all drafts are yeah. Mac Jones and Juju stacked together because you would see that on the, the other tab. It's the percentage of the time someone stacks with Mac Jones, which player are they, are they, are they choosing? Right. So there are yeah. of course drafts where no, where Mac Jones is unstacked, but in the times where Mac Jones is stacked, who, who are we stacking with? And it's like the, this one I thought was was just of course Max at the top, so it's really easy to to look at him. Um, and we just did a draft and we just took Hunter Henry. But I was just like, why is Mike Gesicki higher than than Hunter Henry? That makes that makes absolutely no like I, I I'm not really a, a Mike Gesicki hater, but that, it was just one of those things where you you start to look at like okay, I know stacks are important, but like Hunter Henry is going to play like every fucking snap. And he's 23%. And like Juju, <laughs> like, like we're really going to do Mac Jones, Juju. Like th- when I step back and I say, what wins me best, what, what wins, wins me big board super flex. I can assure you it is not Mac Jones and Juju Smith Schuster. So like that's Clip that's that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, uh, I, I think the problem with like, Gesicki is it's the new toy narrative. So Gesicki is new on the team, and that's why people are more excited to draft it because we know the Mac Jones, Hunter Henry thing is, you know, it's efficient but boring. And it's like, yeah. what's the excitement level? Like where you can add someone like Mike Gesicki is probably what it is. Juju's a new toy. And it's like, well, you know, he did okay with, oh my God, who just went to the Raiders from them, the wide receiver that I can't stand. Jacoby Myers. Yeah, Jacoby Myers. It's like Jacoby Myers was fine. So Juju should be fine. Right. So that's it's the it's the new toy narrative, I think, for some of these players. Speaking of, uh, I did it's so funny you mentioned that because I did specifically go look at the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff because I actually don't know why anyone drafts Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> in these. Like his at his price is maybe the worst price in all of uh the big board super flex, but I did find it interesting that Hunter Renfro and Jaco and the aforementioned Jacoby Myers are the people that are being stacked with Jimmy G more than Devonte Adams. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, what the fuck are we doing here, man? Like what <laughs> if, if, if Jimmy G is getting there right to win you the big board, Jimmy G has a big year. Jimmy G has a big week 17. Hunter Renfro is a good football player. Jacoby, I know you hate Jacoby Myers. I think he's a decent football player. It is not through eight checkdowns to Hunter to, to Hunter Renfro. It's through that that fella on the outside who's one of the best wide receivers of all time, Devontae Adams. And yet, fifty percent of the Jimmy G stacks are Renfro, and only twenty six percent are Devontae. 
this is this is a whole nother conversation for another show but i am heavily starting to lean towards fading the raiders as a whole and that includes Devonte adams and just getting rid of every raider on the board and it's it's something i'm thinking about for for uh best ball mania that the raiders just ain't gonna be it the price tag on josh jacobs is too high Devonte Adams with Jimmy Garoppolo. It does not make me feel great. <laughs> I, it feels like a train wreck waiting to happen, and I might just be completely out on the Raiders this year. Uh, I won't give it away. We got a couple of weeks. We'll see what the draft. <laughs> we'll see what the draft brings and all that fun jazz. But uh, I am also leaning in the same direction. A funny. Uh, we just so happen to be in the Bailey Zappi range here on the table, which is kind of funny. Um, you see pretty much the same theme, right? Juju, Taekwon, yeah. Desecki, same, same, same ranking order of people stacking with, with Bailey Zappi. But as I look, continue to look down, and you look at Russell Wilson, it's just kind of a theme, right? With in this in the the big board superflex, where you see even the cheaper quarterbacks, Jimmy G, Ross, whatever. It's tough to it's tougher to get the quarterback stacked with his best weapons. Now the Broncos have a very kind of unique situation where it's already been reported. Both Sutton and Judy are on the trade block. So I I know that that's playing something into it, but like Tim, Tim Patrick didn't play last year. Uh, I know KJ Hamler's already hurt, but like that's the most popular stack. Like Tim Patrick is the most popular stack. Like if you're betting on the rust resurgence, I, I think Tim Patrick is fine as a player. Uh, it actually hurt me quite badly last year when he got hurt. But like, if if the point is Russ is the quarterback I want, is Tim is Tim Patrick the answer to the question at wider's like who I want at wider's? It's got to be Sutton, Judy, or Dolchich, right? Yeah. But Sutton is three percent lower. Dolchich is ten percent lower, and Judy is less than half the ownership of the Tim Patrick stack. It's like I I don't think that makes sense. Now, the the other one that was jarring when we when you pulled this list up in the beginning was Justin Herbert. I don't know if you want to go back to Herbert, but I thought that his stacking partners because they are they're doable. Seeing Palmer and Everett be the top two for him, that's crazy. It just it, I don't understand. Like you're not getting it. It's not like it's not like the AJ Brown or Stefan Diggs problem where you just don't have a chance to draft these guys Allen and mike williams are readily available to stack with justin herbert if you're getting herbert so i don't understand why people are passing on i know people hate keenan allen not my favorite football player either but if i'm getting herbert i'm actively looking at keenan allen at least and mike williams to be on that roster i mean how could you not be which is the point of drafting herbert especially in a super flex first, if that's not something you're looking for. Right. Yeah, so if you're drafting Herbert in the first round, how do you not want, and I am very anti Keenan Allen. I've probably made that quite known, but how are you, if you, even if you dislike Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is Mike Williams and Justin Herbert is only 23% of the Herbert stacks. Like you said, half the ownership of Josh Palmer like what are we doing? Josh Palmer could get replaced by a rookie in the in in the draft. Like 
Mike Williams ain't getting replaced. And Mike Williams is the guy who wins you tournaments. And really, Keenan Allen could ca- absolutely catch two touchdowns, right? Have 100 yards and two touchdowns in week 17. So, like, it's this is one of those things where I, I still will continue to stick to my guns on weekly upside and all that. And we're, we're I'm working on some what I, what I think are pretty exciting um, like projections and, and upside weekly projections for best ball specifically. And so Keenan Allen is probably still going to continue to not fit that mold. But like, there's also this element that like, I don't know that I want zero Herbert stacks. And so I don't want, I, I don't want Herbert Palmer if it's way over owned. So like Keenan probably fits right. Keenan probably fits. Um, I, w- I wanted to look at uh, <laughs> I wanted to look at uh, the 49ers really quick, just out of uh, self-loathing. Uh, Trey Lance, <laughs> Trey Trey Lance, and and D- so this is an interesting one. The 49ers, I do think, are a good example of. Uh, I know Trey Lance is kind of peculiar, but like they're they're fairly close. But if they were if they were drastically different. I would absolutely want to like really, really hammer the lower owned pairing. There's probably not a trio closer related to a quarterback than Trey Lance with Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. And for audio listeners, they're 35, 33, and 30%. So it is like essentially even across the board for these three. Right. And what is interesting, I I agree that, you know, Technically, it feels like a negative correlation with CMC. And of course, Trey Lance is not going to be the uh, archetype of a quarterback that checks it down as much as, uh, you know, Jimmy G or Purdy or other quarterbacks. But like, I feel well, yeah, like it's, tough to check it, it's tough to check it down when you're not going to be playing for the San Francisco 49ers this year. And when you don't have any hair, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. it, there's, it, I guess technically he does have hair, but it, it's so disgusting that it's like probably covering it. He can't see that. He can only see down the field to the, you know, the Iukes and the Devos and CMC running into the flat. His mm. hair is pressed down the side of his helmet, you know, like this. And so uh, I, I feel really bad for Trey Lance, by the way, getting done. <laughs> the poor young kid. <laughs> poor, but I hope I told this, I said this to our discourse. I, I pray to God I never start to lose my hair because you like everybody is fucking ruthless about oh, it's Trey bad. Lance. It is it's so bad. bad. God damn. Like that's this poor kid just cannot catch a break. Listen, old, listen, uh, though, but there's a difference here. That was not a pun I intended. Um, <laughs> he's a multimillionaire that a True. can fix this or B have the self-awareness to uh, shave your head. I'm I'm going bald. I know uh, to keep my hair low because <laughs> because otherwise it gets to what it looks like now and I absolutely have to wear a hat or <laughs> I look ridiculous. But, you know, like so you're a millionaire, you can take care of it. Fix it. It's true. It, 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 it it's true. That's what I always felt about uh, and this is what I say about myself uh, and only because this person let himself become totally raggedy so I, I can't grow a beard. I have really kind of disgusting facial hair when it grows out at all. And I, I call it, I would grow a Paul Pierce beard. 
because Paul Pierce is famous for it was like the NBA playoffs. He's the best player on the Boston Celtics and he's out there and he had not like, you know, trimmed himself up and gotten his beard right. And it's just like patchy. And then there's like a thick spot right here and then nothing. And then like, you know, he looks disgusting and like they're zooming in on him on fucking ABC, you know, in game seven of an NBA playoff game. And it's just his, his beard is just absolutely gross. And so that's, that's me. And so I do, I do totally agree with that part. It's like, bro, you yeah. are worth more than I will ever, ever, ever be, <laughs> be worth. You haven't worried about money in like, you know, we all worry about money all the time. This dude hasn't worried about money in a decade. Like let's, <laughs> let's, let's take care of your shit here. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I thought the 49ers were, were interesting not to continue to dunk on Trey Lance's Trey, Trey Lance's hair. Uh, no, they they was, were an and, interesting one. Um, any other any other stacks that you kind of uh, uh, want to look at? It is it is it is this. Uh, I feel like this is something we probably got to fix. That if Gallup um, Gallup shouldn't be higher than CD. I don't think. Um, what are, what's going on with some of the bigger teams? Real quick, just like so let's see what the Bills looks like with okay. with it being hard to get like that digs. So that's just kind of what I thought was going to be. Gabe Davis was going same to be thing, right? Pretty... Gabe feels cozy. We've drafted you mm-hmm. and I have drafted Alan, Alan, Gabe, and it's like it feels good. You're like you get to this the tenth round or whatever, and you're like, I need a stacking partner with Alan. It's like yeah, but then every every Josh Allen stack in this tournament is Gabe. Yeah, yeah. I mean that it's just it's jarring, isn't it? D- Diggs is the lowest owned stacking partner with i know i understand why the adp and stuff but isn't that crazy Diggs is the lowest owned if you if you have a josh allen stack the lowest owned way to do it is with you know the one good guy it's gonna be zero percent and best ball mania or like sub one percent because it's gonna be near impossible to do if they keep their current adps for other drafts but it just shows you specifically in these super flex drafts if you can get an allen Diggs. You take it if you can get Hurts with um, AJ Brown. You take it. It doesn't matter who else falls. You have to take it at that point. Yep. So, yeah, that's the stuff. That's why I wanted to look at it because it just shows you that edge, right? It shows you. It, it seems so obvious, but it shows you the edge. Mahomes isn't even showing Kelsey because it's impossible. It's literally there was zero zero percent Mahomes Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can so, get it, if you can, if you can, you know, so 0% is obviously mm-hmm. there will, there will be, I'm sure Mahomes, Kelsey teams in, in this tournament, but it's so low owned that it's not even worth it. Right. We could put 1% on here. It's not worth it. But if you get Mahomes, Kelsey, do it, just do it. Like it doesn't yeah. matter what you think about Kelsey. It doesn't matter what you think about structure. None of that shit matters. If Kelsey falls to you on a Mahomes team, draft him. Yeah. The other way I want to look at this data too is we're looking at Mahomes with Tony at like a 44% stack rate, right? Um, if, if that's a stack that I really like and I want to hammer, you know how I am. I'll, I'll hammer something at 100% if I have to. <laughs> yeah. I, might, <laughs> I might be looking to just take Mahomes, Tony, every time I draft Mahomes, making it an absolute point to get that stack so that I can double the fields percentage on it to have 
different variations over over the right. course of best ball mania and you know i'm being you know i know people are going to say i'm being crazy when i say like being at 80 90 percent of one particular stack but when i'm getting Kadarius tony sixth seventh round mahomes as a second rounder i'm okay with that particular situation mm-hmm. what i can build around them so i'm okay with it um so if you find stacks like that i'm fine i totally understand hammering them over the field you know you know i love tony so i'm not there's no argument for me on the mahomes tony stack but you know what you know what the answer is with this ownership on the chiefs right the the answer to mahomes stacks in the big board superflex is richie james yeah rich richie james was literally the lead wide receiver on the new york giants last year in a barren wide receiver room that looks quite similar to the Chiefs' barren wide receiver room. If Sky Moore is not a breakout second-year player, which maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We don't have any real reason to believe that he will be. If mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony is continued to be <laughs> held together by pixie sticks and rubber bands, yep. and he doesn't take on a full-time role, who else besides maybe a rookie in the draft, is going to earn targets outside of Travis Kelsey. Because, I mean, we both like MBS for best ball, but he that's MBS is MBS. He's yeah. not going to be a you know 25% target share guy. If Richie James is the starting slot receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's 10% owned with Patrick Mahomes at no cost, right? You can get Richie James in any draft you want. That's That's the play. That's the way to play the Chiefs. Well, he's the double stack, right? So he's the he's the second Mahomes piece because we've already. Uh, the other thing that's jarring about this is, I'm just going to be hammering Noah Gray in the 20th round. Then, if you guys are going to do zero percent Noah Gray, and the Chiefs could drop to some sort of two tight end sets with Noah Gray in there frequent a little bit more frequently, um, Mahomes. Kadarius Tony, Noah Gray, Richie James for a cheap Chiefs onslaught. Uh, thanks. Or MVS. <laughs> yeah. Kadarius yep. Tony. Like, I'm going to be able to onslaught the Chiefs, and my only real draft capital is going to be a second round Mahomes. Fine. Right? I agree. Absolutely fine. So, how do that's... we not just jam? Yeah. How do we not just jam all these Chiefs? Yeah. Like, we're talking about which guy specifically is the best, and that's debatable. But, like, we also can just fucking draft them all. Yeah. Especially in 20 <laughs> rounds. In 20 rounds, you just tell me, okay, I'll take Mahomes on the first round and I can get MVS, Sky, Tony, and Richie James. And you want Noah Gray? Throw him in. Yeah. Like you can get them all. Right? CEH, Pacheco, you want to throw the running back in? Go ahead. They're all fucking free. Just like on I why we gotta onslaught the Chiefs in the super, yeah. in this in this because you're not you're not even battling because you got Kelsey Mahomes teams last year. So to onslaught the Chiefs last year, yeah, you're not even competing against you're them. not competing against that this year. They don't exist. <laughs> we just I think we just won best ball mania. Flip like it. Th- end it end the fucking stream. <laughs> That's it's it's what I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna every every Mahomes team is gonna be an onslaught. Every I'm Mahomes only team. gonna play this tournament to onslaught. Like literally, the <laughs> it, it took us however long this has been open. I hate every team I've drafted up until now. This is it. You yeah. just 
pray to get right. Yeah, I mean, you got to get the top X pick, but like, I think, I think these kinds of insights would also lead me to, and now there's still reasons to draft like Allen and, and Hertz too, but there's reasons to take then Mahomes if you get a top three pick at all, right? You get first overall, just take Mahomes because you want to get access to these stacks slash onslaught combinations in, in your teams. If you spot an edge, I understand Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts are great. I have them ranked higher than Patrick Mahomes, both of them. But there are other factors that come into play where I might just take Mahomes in the top three at all times so that I can get all right. I need, especially like if you're, if you're 150 maxing, it's probably fine. You're going to get your 8% Mahomes, but like, I don't, I'm not, I'm definitely not 150 maxing this. I'm not going to draft that many no. teams. No. And so every top three pick I get, I want to utilize it in a certain way. So I might just do all Mahomes and try to do this, right? Just get, give me all the, you already know. I love Tony. I like MBS. Honestly, I like sky too. Now we got this Rushy James thing and there, I can get all of them. I could could literally get, get all of them. And it's kind of like handcuffing with a lot more upside, right? Like if you handcuff your running back or you handcuff your quarterback in super flex, there's clear downside, right? You're, 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 you're handcuffing yourself that you're doing this at wide receiver and like they could both get there. And it's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Like Trey Lance and Brock Purdy can't get there in the same week, but MBS and Richie James can, they absolutely can, especially when you have Mahomes in the first round. So I, yeah, I agree. I, it took us an hour and 15 minutes, but I think we finally figured out how to win the, how to win the super flex, big board, super flex. And just to answer Kobe Short's question, do I believe the Chiefs will draft a wide receiver? I mean, it's possible. I don't think it's going to be a priority for them, but I think if someone's there that they like, they'll take them. It's probably a stock answer, but there's there's reasons to and there's reasons not to. Isn't it super interesting? That question is a good question by Kobe, and we should, of course, be thinking about it. And I, I think they'll, I think they'll probably draft someone, but that's saying over seven rounds. They'll probably right. draft someone. Right. I, I think that every year, and we're doing this with Bijan now as an industry, we say this this team is really good and they don't have an awesome running back. And like so, like, let's just use the Bills. They don't have an awesome running back. And I guess now they signed Damien Harris, so they're not as the Eagles. The Eagles don't have an awesome running back. They have a really good roster. So let's just project Bijan to them. It's like the reason why they're really good is because they're not fucking idiots drafting first right. round running backs when they don't need them. They just went to the Super Bowl with Miles Sanders and let him go and replaced him with Rashad Penny. They understand that running back is just let's just pick this dude up for a million bucks and we can we can make it work in the run game. Uh, the Chiefs have done kind of the opposite, but with wide receivers. They said. We're going to let Tyreek Hill go. This dude, Mahomes, pretty good. We can win with anybody at wide receiver. He's okay. We can win with anybody at wide receiver with that Mahomes fella back there slinging the pigskin. Kelsey is the center point of the offense, right? Mahomes Mm -hmm. is Draymond Green and Kelsey is Steph Curry or whatever, right? Like that's how we're running our offense. We'll figure out who is Jordan Poole and Clay and Andrew Wiggins and Looney and all those guys. We'll, we'll, we'll piecemeal that together. 
they just traded for Tony and they drafted Sky Moore and they paid MBS a bunch of money. Now they signed Richie James. They're probably just going to like, we're going to keep piecemealing it together. We just won the fucking Super Bowl with yeah. MBS with MBS yeah. as our best with MBS as our best wide receiver. Like, why do we need to? The fantasy community's like, oh nope, their wide receivers suck. They got to draft one in the first round. Like, they just won the Super Bowl with these wide receivers. Why the fuck would they ever draft uh, an early one? They have they have the formula. It's Mahomes. Yeah, and if they do draft a wide receiver, it's probably not the name of somebody that you're used to is what i would say like used to drafting we'll yep. go with that so um let's let's look really quickly at the draft rates the players going sub 100 percent uh uh drafted may, may uh, we might need to fix this yep we got a we got a little uh uh data issue so we'll come back we'll do the draft rate on a draft rate and the uh structures on a on a different show but i feel like we covered uh just about everything here was there anything else in the projected ownership we will obviously be continuing to cover this this is just projected ownership for the big board Superflex. we have uh it's all currently free by the way if you're watching you don't have to be a subscriber now to access this data we have it for the big board and the little board as well if you drafted in those tournaments and it will be behind the paywall once we get to uh, May and the main part of, of best ball season, but you can all access it right now. And we will of course be doing like lots. Like I, again, we just spent an hour and 20 minutes talking about this and we didn't touch on like so many different things we could have. So we'll definitely be doing lots more content on this, but was there anything that uh, just really, really stuck out to you that we missed that you want to touch on? No, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about and cover for this show, even more so. So I think this is, I think this is data that just people absolutely that are drafting multiple multiple teams are going to need in the future. Like it just, it, it just gives you such an edge over everybody else versus anything else you can get. I would say. I totally agree. I think it is. One of the things that we're trying to do here at Spike Week is obviously get all the core tools that you need just to make sure you're building competent teams. You know, you're not the ones paying the rake, but also how do you take your game to the next level? And projected ownership is one of the biggest, I think, tools that we're building for this 2023 season where, again, normal logic says the Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins pairing makes all the sense in the world, right? Justin Jefferson drops into a tier where you don't want to drop those quarterbacks. And then Kirk Cousins in the second round is in Superflex, a totally fine pick. You get the stacking element. But if you're not accounting for how popular that pairing is going to be, you're missing a huge, like a this is a peer-to-peer game and ownership matters. Two years ago, if you got to the finals and you showed up with Mark Andrews, guess what? Good job for drafting Mark Andrews. You and <laughs> yeah. you, you, you and and 150 of your other best friends all got Mark Andrews, and there's only 175 people in this final. So guess what? Like he is. I not was an one edge. of them. Yeah, I was one of them. Exactly. Pete and I yeah. had Kyle Pitts. Pete and I had Kyle Pitts in the in the in the final. And like, do I would I like you know the the coin flip of Kyle Pitts versus Mark Andrews? No, that's a you're a dog. You're an underdog. Uh, we actually had, we actually ended up using Hunter Henry's score. Shout out Hunter Henry, but Hunter Henry and Kyle Pitts 
versus Mark Andrews and whatever X. other chalky late. Yeah. Yeah. X late round. Like, what would you rather have? I would rather have the Kyle Pitts side. And so we're just trying to compound a bunch of good decisions and ownership absolutely matters in making the good decision on, on your teams, even though it feels best to draft, you know, cousins with Jefferson, it feels best to draft, uh, Juju with Mac Jones, right? Like, like we were looking at before it feels good, but if if you're not accounting for ownership, you're not factoring in everything you need to. So we'll continue to build upon that uh, tons and tons more. We will have projected ownership also for the uh, other sites, DraftKings and Drafters as well. So you're going to get the full gambit. I can only imagine, I, I almost, almost, almost feel bad for Hacker trying to project ownership of DraftKings <laughs> tournaments. Yeah. Like, I don't even really know how you how you do that. Like sometimes, you know, uh, uh, Abe Lincoln goes in the first round of of <laughs> of DraftKings drafts. Like I can't I can't make any rhyme or reason. So that'll be really fascinating to look at too. You and Silas are are doing a show tomorrow, and either tomorrow or for, I'm trying to decide if I'm waiting till the play in is done, or or just fire off before the play-in is technically over. I will also be doing an uh, underdog NBA playoff best ball stream uh, either tomorrow or Friday, and you will be back with Silas tomorrow for some good old more fun Superflex content, right? Yeah, we can implement some of the stuff we talked about today on a Superflex draft tomorrow, and also Sunday we will be doing a Superflex Sunday that we've been doing, which has been... They've been real chill, laid back, you know, streams, which have been a lot of fun. So you're just like hanging around on a Sunday morning, it's usually around 10 a.m. Eastern. I fire up a draft. We start right away and we just hang out, chat and draft while we're hanging out on a Sunday morning. Yep. And we and just the last thing, I apologize for all the house. All the last but, things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all the la- here's the last thing, I promise. Uh, the third last thing. Next week, I'm I'm really excited to start to kick off like the real firm 2023 plans. I think you guys will enjoy what we got coming. If you're not in the Discord, get in the Discord. We're going to have tons of different uh, specific Discord member activities throughout throughout the week, drafting just with all the Discord members, uh, tons of live shows, some pre-recorded shows. We got some fun partnerships coming up with uh, some, you know, other, uh, we'll call it influencers in the, in the industry. So, so much coming up. This is going to be the absolute most insane best ball year ever. Um, which we'll probably be able to say that every year for the next like <laughs> five years, cause it's just going to keep growing, but it's just, this year is just going to be absolutely nuts. So we're gearing up for that. Uh, again, Robin Siles will be back tomorrow. I will either be back with you tomorrow or Friday for some NBA some NBA stuff. The dance is the dance is getting full, and we're finally figuring out who's in the playoffs. But uh, for myself and for Rob, we will see you guys 